What would you do? This song might take you back to any number of places and times in your life. For me, this song is a bullet train to 1988, to my parents' basement, where I watched a TV show called The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years aired in the 80s, but looked back to the 60s. It was one memory after another, recollected by a wistful narrator. It was a story of going back, and for many people, it's a time machine with one destination. Childhood. It reminds me of my childhood, and coming home after school, watching it. It's like a time machine, you know, I just go back. It kind of like wrapped up into your, into your own childhood. It was a good time, it was a peaceful time, you know. And you know, now you're grown up and there's all these extra problems. You're like, what happened? Let's go back. Let's go back to the Wonder Years. Let's yeah. go back there. You know? It was not a peaceful time. The pilot episode started shortly after Martin Luther King's assassination, and John F. Kennedy's assassination was a recent memory. The summer of love was creating a divisive gap between two generations, and the Vietnam War was escalating in the background. But for the 12-year-old protagonist, Kevin Arnold, it was a time to remember. If you're not familiar with the show, don't worry. We're going back to first kisses and cafeterias, to bullies and school buses. It will take you back to middle school, through the trials and tribulations of Kevin Arnold as he looks back on his wonder years, simultaneously making sense of and celebrating what happened. And I remember. Can't remember. This. I remember even. I do remember. He said this. He said those stories were the essence of it like what heaven. it was to be alive. Was Can you trust that? Is that on? I've always been nostalgic, and I've always thought of it as a character defect, a melancholic obsession with the past that I hid from others until now. Even as a kid, one of my favorite TV series was steeped in nostalgia. 1968, I was 12 years old. A lot happened that year. Denny McLean won 31 games, the Mod Squad hit the air, and I graduated from Hillcrest Elementary and entered junior high school. But we'll get to that. A middle-aged man looking back on his wonder years? What on earth could be more nostalgic and potentially depressing? But in a way, those really were the wonder years for us there in the suburbs. It was kind of a golden age for kids. I grew up in the suburbs, on the cul-de-sac my mother grew up on, in the same house my mother grew up in with her nine siblings. And playing the wonder years now closer in age to the narrator than the child he was, doesn't feel indulgent, but necessary. Over the last few years, a schism in my mother's family cut nearly all of my aunts and uncles and cousins on her side from my life. I have no contact with the people I grew up around, and anything that takes me back to the memories of Westview Court feels vital, because that's all I have left.
Nostalgia in this context doesn't feel like a choice, but a natural reflex, an antibody, responding to the whole left by loss. For me, what's comforting about the Wonder Years is how it marries tragedy with wonder. It's not trying to glorify the past or stay stuck in a lost time. It's trying to understand what the hell happened. We were part of this generation where the world changed as we were growing up. It sort of went from father knows best to the summer of love while we were, you know, little kids. That's Carol Black, who co-created The Wonder Years with her husband, Neil Marlins. Kind of looking back on the period um, for us was not really the idea of, you know, nostalgia and uh, sort of glorifying the time. What interested us about it was that kind of intersection between the, you know, everyday story of this seemingly very bland, prototypical family and the large cultural and historical events that were occurring in that time. As you're living your life in the present day, your perspective tends to be focused on your own day-to-day. Then there's the big world happening out there, you know, in the news, on TV, and how it all fits together can be really difficult to see. I mean, you know, the generation today that grew up with 9-11 and the changes that occurred after that is going to have a similar kind of need to look back and try to figure out how all that worked and where where their story and their life fits into this large historical movement that is occurring in our time. It's no surprise that Carol and Neil revisited the 60s because they felt a loss in the 80s. The 80s was the period of the Reagan revolution and a kind of a return to materialism. And there was a little sense of loss and disillusion. People were cutting their hair and going to business school and People were kind of selling out. So in a way that I think that probably created kind of an openness to the show because people were ready to kind of think back to that period. The prototypical family at the center of the Wonder Years was the Arnolds. Jack, the intimidating father, Norma, the doting mother, the older siblings, Wayne, the bullying brother, and Karen, the hippie sister, and the protagonist, Kevin. The show spanned from 1968 to 1973, and to make sense of that time, Carol and her husband established an adult narrator to place us inside the 12-year-old point of view. Perhaps we should start by asking you to explain what in God's name moved you to do what you did? I wanted to tell them that Wayne had embarrassed me, that the other kids were laughing, that Mr. DePerna had played power games with me, that Winnie had seen the whole thing and that she'd been wearing pink fishnets and go-go boots. I don't know. The formula of a child actor counterpointed with an adult narrator worked. The show won an Emmy after only six episodes, and Fred Savage, who played Kevin Arnold, was the youngest actor to be nominated for a leading actor award for a comedy series. You know, one of the best things the show can hope to do is sort of trigger people's own memories and trigger, trigger them to recall their own lives more vividly. Um, and definitely, you know, people have kind of told us it had that, that effect on them. Things that they might have forgotten that they hadn't thought about in a long time, you know, would come up after, after watching it. And so, um, you know, that's, that's a nice thing to feel that you've done. If you grew up in the suburbs, the memory lane you walk down while watching The Wonder Years will be familiar. But if you didn't grow up in the suburbs, 
The middle-classness, the white male protagonists, the apple pie, the grilled hot dogs, they may seem foreign as they did for Titi Nguyen. They were as unknown to her as the country she'd come from. One of the co-creators of the show, Neil Marlins, said in an interview that if you didn't grow up during this time period and if you didn't grow up in, you know, American suburbia, you wouldn't really connect with the show. And I just didn't find that to be true. I think looking back, I I do see um, how astounding it is that I really did connect so profoundly. I mean, besides being a preteen, we really had not, not much in common, Kevin Arnold and I. I remember it being summer and being really excited that it was on Nick at Night. And my friends were outside playing kickball and trying to get me to come out. And I said, no way, I'm staying here. I was born in Saigon, Vietnam. Immigrated here when I was about five. My aunt married a U.S. veteran. He sponsored her over to come, and um, very shortly afterwards, she began to sponsor her family. So my mother and our family was actually the first to come over. I grew up in a town that was pretty patriotic, very proud of its uh, Revolutionary War history. Titi and her family ended up in Quincy, Massachusetts, living on a peninsula populated with government projects. I grew up with very different kinds of people. There were Irish and Italians and Blacks and Latinos and other Asians. But I still really felt my differences. The Black kids looked differently, of course, just like we did. But they didn't have a language problem. You know, we, my my family would cook strange things. You know, my best friend growing up, her family was the first Asian family in our neighborhood. It was it was pretty racist where I grew up. It was it was pretty intense. There was this feeling of of being an outsider. Um yeah, there was a lot of racist scrawlings and happenings that went on um targeted at us. I think as a child watching the show, seeing what suburbia was like, it kind of represented a uniformity, which was really appealing to me when I was a kid, where the image was that everyone was the same, everyone was on equal footing. There were really no big differences that you could really see. It was a little bit of a relief in that half hour um, to, to, so strange, but to be a 12-year-old white boy in America. For that half hour, I could, you know, be in this little boy's body and mind, and he was struggling with a lot of the things that I was struggling with, you know, like crushes at school and best friends and, you know, all the things that Kevin Arnold um, dealt with. On January 31st, 1988, The Wonder Years premiered on ABC, and in the pilot episode, We meet Kevin Arnold the summer before he's about to enter middle school. We follow his first days in uncharted territory, his newfound crush on Winnie Cooper, a neighbor and friend. And at the end of the episode, Kevin learns that Winnie's older brother was killed in the Vietnam War. The sad news sends him off on a walk to the woods 
where he finds Winnie. And as if a French cliche, the show mingles death and sex in the final scene when Kevin and Winnie kiss for the first time. In less than 30 minutes, the audience goes from innocence to tragedy to wonder. You know, starting from the pilot, um, Winnie Cooper's brother, you know, we, we learn that he dies in the Vietnam War. So immediately in that first episode, I felt this connection, like, wow, somehow my story is in there in this strange way. Titi's parents never talked to her about Vietnam, where they came from and where she was born. They'd moved to a new country and they were looking forward to a new future and a new life. You know, before then, a character that I most connected to was like E.T., you know, like an actual alien <laughs> because our names were similar and we were both from faraway places. Like that's who I connected with. <laughs> and so to see this and to see here <laughs> Vietnam, I was like, whoa, wow. So <laughs> it was really a big, big moment. E.T. Home phone. E.T. Phone home. When you first saw that kind of final scene and you realized that Winnie's brothers died in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. what was your reaction? There was such a complex of different emotions, but I think I remember mainly that it was guilt. I am from this land, this country, where Brian Cooper was killed. So there was this, like, strange responsibility and sense of, yeah, this is, like, burden. Um, You know, I also realized at the time, like, I'm identifying more with this fictional character than the people in my home country. For anyone who watched The Wonder Years as a kid, they cared about what Titi cared about. You care about Kevin's relationship with his best friend, Paul. Paul was allergic to everything. Wayne used to say he was even allergic to his own snot. I had such a Paul in my life. Her name was Wa. She also was allergic to many things. Yeah, she'd spend hours like putting on her creams, and I would just sit there and wait for her, and we'd talk. You care about his crush on Winnie Cooper. It looks like my baby brother and his girlfriend have found each other. (laughs) She's not my girlfriend. You know, I thought some guys were really cute. I had my own Winnie Cooper, this guy, Ryan Conley. He was just so sweet, and he had these, like, sun-streaked strands of hair, and he was just also really, like, shy. And You vicariously experience his first kiss. It was the first kiss for both of us. We never really talked about it afterwards. You know, and it was just, it's such a sweet kiss, and the lighting is just perfect. And it was just so sweet, and I still feel that way when I see this kiss. You cringe when he confronts the school bully. What's your locker combination? Well, I, uh, I appreciate your asking, but actually they told us we weren't supposed to tell anyone else. We had bullies. There was one in particular who was actually my grade. He was just so mean. He was so nasty. And you struggle with him as he tries to connect with his family. But it was like he had this understanding with the family. He worked hard for us. He provided for us. And he certainly didn't want to have to talk to us on top of that. T.D. would still carry around the DVD of the Wonder Years from apartment to apartment as she moved and married. She'd watch it every now and then. The world is small when you're young, 
and it should be that way, small and safe. But then the world expands, the frame widens, and as the show straddles the child's world and the adult's world, you experience both for a moment. Every time I rewatch the series, like you learn so many different things, you you know, are drawn to different characters. Like you were saying earlier, when we were younger, of course, we very easily related to Kevin and Paul and Winnie. This is Carol Black again. I think that a lot of people's perspective change, they grow older and it's, some people make the mistake of thinking it's because the world is changing, but I think it's actually that you're coming to understand better the way the world works. I remember watching that episode where uh, Jack takes Kevin to his office and his father's boss comes in and just chews him out right in front of his son. And Kevin feels like the sense of loss witnessing this. It's sad because he feels this, this loss, but I think he also feels closer to his father. He understands his father more. You know, I grew up going with my parents on their housekeeping jobs. I remember going to a house where the clients weren't home, actually. And I remember being in that house, and we were all in the bathroom then, the three of us, my parents and I. There were also some uh, men who were there to work on the electric. And, you know, these guys came in with their heavy boots and their jeans and their cords. And I remember my mother you know, looking at my dad, at my father, and saying, why don't you go upstairs and start up there? They, in his eyes, were a notch above what he was doing. And I remember understanding that she wanted to spare him the humiliation that he felt. She saw it in him. You know, they were doing manly work. Um, You know, his hands were plunged in someone's toilet. And that broke my heart. Yeah, I was so sad to see that. Yeah, to see that my father has shame, shame of his own um, that he carries. When Titi looks back now, she sees what she couldn't see as a 12-year-old. They, you know, left behind careers of law and teaching in Saigon, and now they're here in this new country changing people's bedsheets and emptying their trash bins in their bathroom. They weren't just my mother and father. They were people who had their own disappointments and their own expectations and hopes. And they were just trying to survive, um, provide for their family in this new unchartered territory. Nostalgia's original definition was a longing to return home. It's been revised to distinguish it from homesickness now. But perhaps nostalgia is a longing for a broader sense of home, since home can constantly change. It doesn't have to be a place. It could be a group of people, a time, a feeling, a story we tell ourselves, or some ineffable thing we all try to conjure for a sense of connection and continuity. That show always roots me back home, not in any sort of geographical sense. I've never really felt like Quincy, Massachusetts is my home. Um, 
but it's my home in that of the of the child I was back then. Um, I'm still that person. I'm still that little girl who's curious and scared and um, sometimes rash and. So I guess it brings myself home to myself, <laughs> if that makes sense. Thank you for listening to another episode of Memory Motel. If you enjoyed The Wonder Years, please leave a review on iTunes. It really makes a difference. And tell your friends or family to listen if you think they'd enjoy the show. Today's episode was produced by me, Terrence Mickey, and Bart Walshaw, who composed the theme music, with production assistance from Carrie Ann Thomas. A big thank you to Carol Black and Neil Marlins and T.T. Nguyen. You can visit our website, memorymotel.audio, to see what projects they're all working on right now. Please get in touch with us on Twitter at memorymotel or Terrence underscore Mickey. Thank you, Carson Briggs Frame, Samir Tazari, Jerome DeRoy, Murray Nossel, and Jeffrey Yamaguchi. Until next time, I can't wait to see what you find when you go back.